Welcome everyone to episode three of Campus Pep Talk by IBA. Some of you may have heard that President Joe Biden recently spoke very enthusiastically about the importance of cancer research. In March, he described proton therapy specifically as being a source of hope and encouraged a continued focus on proton therapy. Despite this, proton therapy is currently under pressure by something called ROAPM. In this episode, we'll break down what ROAPM is, how it's affecting PT, and what you can do to help. Right now, we're at a point where we need to increase access to proton therapy, not decrease the access. Um, scarcity leads to disparity in the healthcare system. So a model that creates disincentives to treat beneficiaries with clinically appropriate care will definitely further limit access, particularly to those in rural and underserved communities. Jennifer Majori is the executive director of NAPT, the National Association of Proton Therapy. Jennifer has spent more than 20 years working in the oncology field, including 10 years with proton therapy. Her oncology experience includes social work, radiation oncology operations, and program development. She has also been involved in the American Cancer Society in various roles, including the board chair of the Northeast region of Florida since 2017. Jennifer has been an active member of NAPT for seven years, including serving on its board of directors since 2016. Classic song, Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. My mom was actually a huge fan of Paul McCartney, so I grew up listening to the Beatles quite a bit. Uh, Jennifer, can you tell us why you chose that song as your favorite? Yeah, well, it's funny. You asked me for my favorite song, and I probably have about 100 favorite songs, Courtney, but I thought I would choose this as um, one of my top songs in... I chose this because of my history of working with patients um, going through the cancer experience. And I had one patient in particular that was facing really tough time. And, and as we were talking about her experience, she told me that, you know, what gives her hope and what gives her um, fuel for the next day is just, you know, really when the sun comes up, it just gives her a renewed sense of energy and hope. And I thought, you know, this really represents what a lot of cancer patients feel. And so um, I thought it was a great song to represent just a new beginnings and hope. Um, and also our logo looks like the sun. If you, if you look at our logo, well, so <laughs> kind of all ties in together. Right. That's a perfect fit. And I imagine from your role as a social worker previously that you have a very deep understanding of, you know, the effects of patients' access to care or lack thereof. So we'll dive into that a little bit in this episode. But for starters, can you just tell us a little bit about NAPT and what it is that you do? Sure. NAPT is the National Association for Proton Therapy. We're an independent non-for-profit organization. We were established 30 years ago. Now we have 40 supporting members um, from the nation's leading cancer institutes, academic centers, NCCN members, on, and also freestanding independent centers as well. And all of our centers and NABT work together to make sure that the public policymakers, stakeholders are aware of the clinical benefits of proton therapy. And like you mentioned, ensure patient choice and access to this um, treatment. One other thing we do that I think a lot of people don't realize that's very important is encouraging the cooperative research and innovation to advance this field. And so we have a, a very strong group of physicians that serve on our physicians advisory committee that help us move the industry forward through the establishment of, of research and publication of research. 
So right now, something called ROAPM is impacting proton therapy and raising concerns in the community. Could you tell us what ROAPM actually is and comment on some of those concerns? Sure, sure. Um, so the ROAPM is really called the Radiation Oncology Alternative Payment Model. You'll also hear it known as the RO model. So this is a mandatory value-based payment model with the goal to test. Remember, this is a five-year experiment to find out whether bundled site-neutral payments reduce Medicare spending, while at the same time improving quality care for Medicare beneficiaries that are receiving radiation oncology services. So a lot of people have asked me, well, who published this role? Who, who made this role? Who created this role? And so You'll hear about CMMI, that's the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation that was established 10 years ago under the Affordable Care Act. They were tasked to develop payment models to help the health industry, healthcare industry move away from fee-for-service reimbursement frameworks to a payment system based on value, not volume. So the RO model specifically establishes the same rate, payment rate, for all types of radiation modalities based on one set national base rate for 15 different cancer types. So why is that concerning for the proton therapy community? Specifically, proton therapy utilization is, is very rare. It's very small percentage, one to 2% of the, of the cancer population. So this rate setting methodology des described in this proposed rule would not result in national payment rates for the disease sites treated by proton beam therapy in a manner that would appropriately reimburse providers for their costs. Proton therapy is an emerging technology. It's a more costly treatment, due in part to the higher cost of the capital equipment required and the high cost of maintaining the center, and also the greater complexity of proton therapy treatment planning and delivering. The RO model establishes that same base rate for all types of radiation, despite the cost of delivering this treatment. So that, in essence, jeopardizes access for cancer patients that really do truly need this specialized treatment. You mentioned proton therapy is a very small percentage of radiation therapy treatments. So if we compare the numbers between proton therapy and traditional radiation therapy, proton therapy is really, like you said, only about 1% of those treatments. So why do you think such a low volume of modality like proton therapy would actually be included in the RO model? Well, it shouldn't be in the model. And that's what we have advocated for in the last two years, that it be excluded because it is such a low volume and it's an emerging technology that deserves to be nurtured. Um, and so what CMS talked about in the role of the reasoning that they included it is they, they really labeled this um, proton therapy as a whole as low value without acknowledging the most recently published data over the last few years. And so remember, this role was first um, proposed in 2019 and relied on research that was um, dated from 2015 and before. And then proton therapy is a high value treatment for appropriately selected pediatric and adult patients. And CMMI should exclude proton therapy to allow time for the research that is shown to be very promising to continue and to be published to show the evidence supporting this treatment. And, you know, I understand that brachytherapy was originally included in this model, but has since been removed. Do you think that was a result of people lobbying to Congress and that maybe this could set a precedent for proton therapy? 
So in the modified rule released a few weeks ago, CMS did propose excluding brachytherapy from the final rule. And removing one modality absolutely opens the door that proton therapy as a low volume modality with promising evidence that supports its value for cancer patients should also be excluded. So that is definitely a key point that we have focused on and will continue to focus on. Now, why brachytherapy was excluded is a bit of a complicated issue. And part of the reason was that CMS had a hard time developing a payment methodology around multimodality treatments where brachytherapy was used with other treatments, especially in, in the cases for cervical cancer. So that's one of the reasons that CMS decided to propose that brachytherapy um, be removed from, from the final rule. Okay, and so it's supposed to go into effect, I believe, January of 2022. Does that mean that there's just a few months left to really lobby to get PT removed as well? Or what is the, what is the next step? So this is an issue we've been working on for two years. And so remember that this was first, the first proposed rule, the RO model was released in July of 2019 and had significant delays in part to a lot of the stakeholders, very much NAPT included, advocating for changes in the rule. This is a very complex payment model. And so it really needs to be designed to make sure that access to appropriate cancer treatments are not jeopardized. And right now with COVID and um, the pandemic, the public health emergency, um, there are concerns about this being implemented in January of 2022. Right now, those that are mandated to participate are definitely getting information and trying to do their best to get this um, prepare for this before January. But as you know, unfortunately, we're seeing a surge in COVID cases in many parts of the country right now. So there's definitely some concerns about this timeline of, of implementing such a um, broad, complicated model in um, January of 2022. Sure. And so if they do move forward in implementing it and including proton therapy, will this really limit the patient's access to proton therapy care in the U.S.? Um, so these cuts are so steep that centers will need to make difficult choices of how to make this work. This could mean cutting staff, eliminating research, or for some even closing their doors. And right now we're at a point where we need to increase access to proton therapy, not decrease the access. Um, scarcity leads to disparity in the healthcare system. And it, we have a healthcare system that is already facing challenges on how to bring equitable cancer care to everyone. And if you look at our map of where centers are located, do we have a lack of access in the West part of the United States. And so only 30% of patients even have access to this treatment if this is what they need. So we need to see an increase in centers so that patients can have access to the treatment when it's recommended from, from their physicians. So a model that creates disincentives to treat beneficiaries with clinically appropriate care will definitely further limit access, particularly to those in rural and underserved communities. Now, what is currently being done to address the concerns of ROAPM and what can we, the listeners, do to help? Yeah, absolutely. So this is not a new issue for our team. We have a very strong group that works on this issue and we have a lot of support from the community. We've contributed significant resources to communicate these concerns 
and advocate for change. And as you mentioned earlier on, the president currently is very supportive of cancer initiatives. Many of you have heard of the cancer moonshot um, and, and President Biden's comments focusing on proton therapy. So we must educate CMS that this is not low value care. Proton therapy can fit into a properly designed payment model when proton therapy episodes represent a higher proportion of those of those episodes. And so our members, our corporate members, stakeholders, and patients have really made their voice heard with CMMI, Congress, a past and current administration. So remember, we talked about this model was supposed to be implemented in January in 2020. So we've already seen delays and um, President Biden is committed to cancer innovation and research. And so right now we're really focusing on the cancer moonshot that includes an initiative to minimize cancer treatments, debilitating side effects. And so you can go to our site to learn more on how to reach out to your senators and house members and definitely the White House, the administration, let them know that the RO model jeopardizes patient access and should be modified to exclude proton therapy. You can also submit comments to CMS on this issue. They're due September 17th, and we can always help any of our stakeholders with those letters. There's also a grassroots advocacy tool from our friends at the Alliance for Proton Therapy. That link is found on our site as well. And this grassroots efforts is for individuals such as patients, caregivers, and other community um, members. So we encourage you to access that and really reach out and make your voice heard on this issue. So it sounds like there's a lot being done. And so thank you for providing those action steps as well. Sure. And I do have one last question for you, Jennifer. Where do you see proton therapy 10 years from now? I see an expansion of proton therapy. I see more patients with access to proton therapy. And I see the research really supporting the evidence that we've already are seeing on the positive impact that this treatment has on patients short-term and long-term. And so my goal, my wish is definitely for more patients to be able to access this care when their physicians are recommending it for their case. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today and providing your invaluable insight. We really appreciate all the work you and your team are doing to help overcome this obstacle. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Courtney. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you're not already doing so, please subscribe and follow us at Campus Pep Talk on your favorite podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, etc. See you on our next episode.